Well, um, we're going to be in the book of Psalms, Psalm 32. So if you want to turn there, you can. I have a little question. Uh, have you ever, you know, it's March now. So have you been in this situation where you, you start out, it's January, you planned out your New Year's resolution or resolutions, then you go to sleep and you wake up and it's March and you haven't done anything. I've, some of you, you're, you're a lot more honest than I am, so that's good. Uh, that's not my problem. Because I didn't make any resolutions. That's okay. There you go. But the reality is that, that certain things are, are they're easy to do, and then there's some, certain things that, that are uh, more easy to procrastinate on. There, there are things that are easy to do, like, like eating potato chips. Do you ever find yourself in your kitchen and you're like, my hand is in a bag of potato chips. I don't know how this happened, but while I'm here, and you, you eat some potato chips, it's easy to watch TV. It's easy to, to sit down, to open up your laptop, and all of a sudden Netflix is playing. You're well, I'm here, so I'm going to take advantage of this time and watch Netflix. Or, or it's, it's easy to, to, to be on your social media, so much so that sometimes you, you might find yourself you know, you open up your browser and all of a sudden Facebook is there and you don't even know how you got there or Instagram or, or Twitter and, and it's almost second nature and these are things that are easy to take up your attention. But when it comes to things like, especially in the area of personal change, the easy thing can be to procrastinate. The easy thing can be to, to have these lofty goals and, and desires and plans and those are good things, but then when the rubber meets the road, you've got your hand in a bag of potato chips, and things have not changed. Today, we're going to look at a psalm in which David encourages us that rather than put it off, we should talk to God, and we should do it today. So go ahead and stand with me. We're going to read Psalm 32, the first six verses. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 6. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, Whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, though my groanings all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sins. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely they shall not reach him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in prayer, and we come to you as a God who is willing to hear us, who wants to hear us, and who wants to hear us today. Father, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would, would do the, the heart work that would motivate, motivate us to speak to you, to, to pursue you in prayer for the sake of, of being, becoming happy in the forgiveness that you offer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So in this psalm, David kind of gives a picture of, of our proper response to, to conviction, to this sense of being pressed down and, 
And he gives us a really a great picture of what God's provision is when we think about our problem. The, the, the reality is you and I are sinners. We, we don't like to talk about that. It's not really a popular topic of conversation in our culture, and, and people even want to redefine what wrong is so that wrong is really something that is personal and, and you define, and so if you don't feel wrong, you aren't wrong. Now, unfortunately for you and me is the Bible doesn't have that same standard. The Bible has a pretty objective standard of what is right and wrong, and by that standard, we fall short both in nature and in action. We are sinners. And because of that, David understands that this is an area where we like to procrastinate. This is one of the areas where, where we have these thoughts of, well, I'll deal with that later. Or it's, it's not really that big of a, 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 a deal or an issue. Or have you met uh, so-and-so at the office? At least I'm not like that person. Right? And, and we, can, we can play down what, what is wrong in our life. And so David, being familiar with our heart, being familiar with his own heart and his own temptation to, to procrastinate when dealing with sin, he starts with this idea of motivation, this idea of what, what is the thing that's going to draw us up back into a relationship with God and bring us to a place where we're willing to be honest about our sin, to be honest about what God has for us. So he starts in verses 1 and 2, and he says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That, that word blessed, it, it's, it's not, sometimes we think of it like a, like a magical Christian word, like blessed, hashtag blessed, and, and it means very little or it means I just have the things that I want. Hashtag blessed, I have a new car. Hashtag blessed, I have you know, a, a great new job. And, and certainly God blesses us in material things, absolutely. But in this in this text, it, it really means this is the way that one ha- experiences a happy life. David is saying, do you want to live a happy life? Do you want to experience happiness? This is how you experience happiness, by being a per- type of person who, whose transgression is forgiven, who, whose uh, breaking of the law is forgiven. I remember being in Leesburg, and you know there was a guy who was in the car with me driving. It wasn't me. Maybe it was, but um, I was speeding. I just gave myself away. <laughs> and we're just going to be honest about our sin. Um, I was speeding and I got pulled over. And the police officer said, you know, why, wh- why were you speeding? And, and it was in an area where the speed limit goes really low very quickly. And so part of the reason was I didn't know that. So I was really pretty honest. Was, I didn't know I was speeding. It doesn't count, right? Uh, but it does. <laughs> it does count. And, and I was you know, off to get some food for my family. And I told him that and he cut me some slack and he said, well, I'm going to give you a warning, but try to, you know, pay attention to the, this, there you go. (laughs) And in that moment, I was thinking to myself, blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven. (laughs) Right. And the reality is that's, that's what Paul or not Paul. That's what David is leading with. He's saying there is a sense of relief and joy and happiness that comes when you realize that God has offered forgiveness. He goes on and he says, whose sins are covered. They're atoned for. Whose sins no longer prevent that person from being in relationship with the Father. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. 
in, in, in our spiritual bank account, there's a lot of debt. Blessed is, happy is the person whose debt has been taken away. If you've been forgiven debt, you know what that feels like. If you've owed someone and they said, you know what, don't worry about it. You know what that feels like, but it's more than that because not only is our debt covered, God fills our bank account in the positive. So he talks about this carrot, this, this motivation. When God deals with our sin, and, and this, is, this is how extensive it is. When God deals with our sin, he does so exhaustively. He forgives our transgressions, right? He, he says, I'm, I'm not going to count it against you anymore. He takes away our sin and our guilt. He covers it, as it says in verse 2. I'm sorry, second part of verse 1, whose sin is covered. He, he covers it in such a way that it doesn't any longer create a barrier between us and God. You know, our sin creates a barrier between us and God. When you and I disobey God, one of the problems that happens as a result of sin is that we're no longer able to, to approach him. We, we see that in Adam and Eve after they, they commit their sin and they fall. God is walking around in the garden and he says, hey, Adam, where are you? And they have covered themselves up. They've tried to atone for their own sin. They've tried to mask their own sin. And, and really, there's a barrier now between them and God, a barrier such that they don't trust God, so they're lying to God, and God is having to kind of cajole them into, into speaking truth. But when God forgives us, he covers our sin. Not only that, he, he doesn't count it against us. Some of us that grew up with parents, and, and they did their best, and, and they were wonderful, but, but when you sinned against them, there was an account so although they said, I forgive you, and you move, move on, th- there was an accrual of debt. Or maybe your parents are joking, but they're like, well, when you become 18, you're going to pay back some of the things that I, you know, I've bought a lot of things for you. You're going to buy some of those G.I. Joes back with, with a great job, you know, a good career, get married, get rich, and then buy me a house, that sort of thing. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't, he doesn't hold it against us. When he forgives us, when he, when he expresses his forgiveness to us, uh, he doesn't count it against us any longer. And any person who's had that kind of relationship with God, they're happy. I mean, this is why, this is why it's so neat to see people come to salvation as kind of young believers. There's something about the walk of life where, where God allows us to experience more and more uh, trials and tribulation as we grow and mature in Christ that sometimes an older believer kind of can begin to look punch drunk if they're not focusing on the right things. But, but a young believer, a new believer, everything is, it's bright colors, it's rainbows. It's, you know, because it was like, I realize now I was about to burn in hell for the rest of eternity, which is a long time. It's very hot. It's uncomfortable. And now I get to spend eternity with God. And they're flipping out because it's awesome. It's great. Blessed is the person whose sins are forgiven. This is, this is the, the motivator that, that David is saying, come to God, come to God, come to the God who forgives. But he doesn't just leave it at, at these kind of statements of truth. He, he gives us a picture of what that looks like. Now, my son is, one of my sons is, is nine. He likes to cook. He, he's got a great palate. It's kind of amazing, actually. Uh, he, he's much better than, than anything I could ever pursue. He'll taste a chocolate and be like, you know, there are hints of this and that. And like, it's chocolate. It tastes like chocolate. It, 
you know, I, there's white chocolate and there's brown chocolate, and it tastes like brown chocolate. I don't even, some, you know, depending on the day, you might give me white chocolate and be like, well, I guess that's brown chocolate. I don't know. But he can pick out all these things. So I'm, we're learning how to cook, and, uh, and it, was, it was fun. And, but one of these days, he was, he was trying to flip a, a pancake, and because of his height and situation, he kind of he tapped the, the edge of the pan and, and burned his hand just lightly. It was fine. He's, he's good to go. But, uh, you know, for me, I'm kind of like, well, n- now you know. Be careful. <laughs> I mean, I'll care for him more if it was a, a, a greater pain, obviously, but obviously. <laughs> but it was painful, but it, was, it, it taught him a lesson about being careful. It taught him a lesson about the situation that he was in. And the reality is, God will take pain and specifically conviction, and David is going to describe that, and he's, he uses it to, to bring about a particular response to, to help us understand something about our situation. So in, in verse 3 and 4, he describes life before forgiveness. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through the, my groanings all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Right? The pain of, of this conviction of God, this pressing down of God that wouldn't let him go, that, that was something that was intended to bring about a particular response in his, in his heart. And so because of that, he does respond. In verse 5 we see, I acknowledged my sin. Right? I didn't cover it up. I didn't fake it. I didn't say, well, you know, I, I did this, but we kind of tried not to acknowledge this. You know, this is the kind of conversation where you've blown it and you have two options. You can either fess up to this part or you can just be honest and say, I am wrong. And, and our temptation, our desire is to say, well, I'm sorry that I did this one thing wrong. Right? And, and I'm with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. But, but, what, what David is describing is a kind of acknowledgement of our sin that doesn't say, I did this wrong. God, don't pay attention to this over here. I'm sorry for this. Don't look at this. But no, it says, I acknowledged my sin. And he goes on and he says, I did not cover my iniquity. When we sin, when you and I break God's law, when we do things that are wrong, our natural, sinful, fallen habit is to try and make up for it. We want to save ourselves. I mean, how many times have you blown it with a person and then all of a sudden you're like, well, I'll just buy them some Starbucks for the next 10 years and we'll, we'll be okay. I'm going to cover this up. Or, or you're tempted to at work, you, you mess something up, you, you, know, you put the decimal place in the wrong place and you begin to think, how can I fix this? How can I fix this? How can I fix this? Or in your marriage, you, you're having a, a, a delightful conversation. Uh, it's spirited and, and lively. And you say something and think to yourself, I didn't phrase that quite right, but you can't get it back. And so all of a sudden you're like, well, how much will I have to buy? How many chocolates? What flavors? I'll ask my son what kind of chocolate I should buy to fix this situation. And these are all, we're being silly here, but, but our inclination is to say, I want to cover over my sin. And below that, there's, there's a sense that basically you're saying, I have to satisfy, I have to become my own functional savior. And David says, when we come clean to God, we do not cover up our iniquity. We do not cover up our iniquity. 
And then he goes on to say, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and, and you will forgive me. I will confess. He confesses his sin and then he implicitly repents. He's, he's, it doesn't say in the text he repents, he turns, but the reality is he's going to God and rather than going to himself and trying to cover it up, he's turning to God to repent. He's turning to God to say, I was wrong. He's turning to God to pursue forgiveness. Right? In verse 1, we saw, blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven. And in verse 5, we, say, we see, oh, I am no longer covering my sin. When we stop trying to cover up our sin, that's when God will deal with it. That's when we can allow God to deal with it. You know, you, we've all met the person who had the, the issue but, but wasn't willing to hear the critique. Yeah. And he's like, I'd love to help you, my friend. And they're like, everything's fine. I'm good. Don't worry about it. No, I'm fine. Like, well, you have something in your teeth. No, I don't. <laughs> okay, I mean, whatever. And you, you, you can't bring a solution to someone who's not looking for it. Come on. And, and part of coming to God openly, honestly, is, is being willing to, to receive the solution. But when we do, that's when God can begin to work. For some of us in this room, we're, we're asking God, where are you? Why aren't you fixing this? And God's like, because you don't want me to. You want to be the one who fixes it. Exactly. <laughs> but David, he confesses and he repents. Now, and, and I'll go back to this, but confession, and, and if you come from a, a tradition where confession involves a, a priest or someone like that, that's not what I'm talking about. Although James does encourage us to confess our sins to one another so that we might be healed. But, but specifically, we're talking about the reality that we want to bear ourselves before God himself. That there's a kind of honesty and prayer that happens when we just bear our soul before him. Now, that will have horizontal implications so that there are those individuals to whom we can be brutally honest in the context of small groups. March 17th, barbecue. Um, but, but this confession is the confession before God, and, and repentance is just the other side of that. David isn't just prescribing that we report our sin with no desire to, for change. And this is... This is we're not, what we're not doing is having a conversation with God, with, with God and he's saying, you did this wrong and you're saying, yep. But your attitude is one of, yeah, and I'm gonna do it again. You know, sometimes we have these conversations with people and, and they say, they point something out and you say, yes, I will own that I did that. And in our hearts, we're saying, and I would do it four more times. <laughs> that's not confession. That's, that's not the confession that David's talking about. The confession that he's talking about is the confession that said, I recognize that I am wrong. With our words, we're agreeing with God. And our heart is saying, I am upset that I have done this. Yeah. And with our heart, we're agreeing with God. It's not just a verbal assent. This is why it says in verse 1, or sorry, verse 2, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Deceit is when we say something with our words, but we believe something else with our heart. Deceit is, is, is this double-minded, I'm going to say one thing, but I'm going to believe another. But when we come to God in real confession, and the kind of confession that, that David talks about here, what we say with our words lines up with what we believe in our hearts. I have sinned against you, God. 
I'm coming to you for forgiveness. So he goes and he says these things. Our confession is our words and our repentance is our heart and both are looking to God for forgiveness. So David goes on from telling us about the happiness of forgiveness, then he gives us a picture of going from procrastination to peace. And now in verse six, this is where we're gonna land. He sums it all up with this command. So I'm gonna read it one more time. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of the great waters, they will not, they shall not reach him. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. He says, therefore, so clearly he's talking about what just happened. Therefore, since God forgives people who confess and repent, since God responds in love and forgiveness and, and covering of sin to those who confess and repent, repent, let the godly pray. So this prayer is not just a general prayer of, you know, God, thank you for the trees and isn't it a nice day? But there's, there's a sense that this is the kind of prayer that he's talking about, the kind of prayer where we're confessing sin, we're repenting, we're laying our souls bare before God, and he's, he's reinitiating, reinitiating a relationship with us. But what's interesting to me, what's puzzling to me, is that he says, let everyone who is godly do that. Now, when I think about the Bible, and when I think about what I would write, I would say, let everyone who is a sinner pray. Let everyone who needs forgiveness pray. And those things are true. But what's, what's amazing to me, and brings me great hope, and I hope it'll bring you great hope, is that David is making a connection between godliness or faithfulness and the kind of response that we ought to have to sin. What he's not saying is that the godly don't sin. Now, the godly shouldn't sin. We shouldn't pursue sin. But the reality is there's indwelling sin. And so what David is saying is there's an aspect of godliness that recognizes, that owns, and that confesses and repents of the sin that still exists in our souls. If you're in this room and, and you say, God, I, I long for godliness. I long for holiness. I long to be right before you. But but I, I've messed up today. God doesn't say, well, you better fix it and then you can come to me. No, he says, I have a prescription. Confess, repent, turn to me, trust me, and move on. That's, that's awesome. Because if it wasn't that way, and, and, and oftentimes we create, again, we create this, this standard and we pursue God, we say, God, I'll, I'll come to you and I'll pray and we'll have a great relationship just as soon as I get these four or five things fixed. Or just as soon as I, I decide to stop procrastinating about my sin, then I'll come to you. But, but David says, no, come now. Godliness is demonstrated when we confess and repent, not when we get ourselves right so that we might, before, might be able to pursue God. Now, I'm not saying, again, don't hear me. I'm not saying don't get right. I'm not saying just sin indiscriminately. I'm saying don't let the sin that you have in your soul prevent you from pursuing the God who can help you. Don't let the sin in your life prevent you from pursuing the God who can heal you, who can save you, who can forgive you. Our job is not to become godly enough before we approach him to deal with our sin. Our job is to trust God, confess our sin today, and repent today. Another neat thing about that phrase, that, that word godly, it, it's, 
it's connected to the word for faithfulness. And so there's a picture that godliness is someone who practices faithfulness. Someone who day after day is walking out a kind of faith in God. Faithfulness to God is, is faith in God walked out. Walks out a kind of faithfulness that recognizes, okay, today this is how I messed up. I'm going to confess and repent and return to God. Next day, okay, this is how I messed up. This is how I sinned. I'm going to confess and repent and I'm going to trust God. And, and hopefully, by God's grace and, and by his power, we, our, our sins diminish and they change. But even as we grow more mature in God, he, he reveals more areas that need, we need to work on. And every day, our godliness is defined in our faithfulness to say, okay, I've, I've confessed and I repented and I'm a trust in you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not where I was a year ago. I'm definitely not where I was five years ago. But I'm still, I'm still working. But godliness is I'm going to confess, I'm going to repent. And it's, it's this train, just faithfulness, 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 faithfulness. Godliness does not mean that we get right before we come to God. Godliness means that we come to God to get right. Now, what about this last little part he throws in about these rushing of waves? He says in verse 6, Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. Now, whenever you hear things like great waters or mighty waters, as, as nice as it might be to think about, you know, whitewater rafting or the Niagara Falls, the biblical picture of great waters is the flood or the Red Sea crushing the Egyptians. And what he's saying is there's a judgment that hangs over those who procrastinate in sin. There's a judgment over those who say, I'll deal with that tomorrow. And he says that when we come to God, that judgment doesn't come to us, right? He says, surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. They shall not reach who? The godly, the godly one. Again, godliness is not getting yourself right before God so there's nothing to judge. Godliness is going to God to forgive you so that he takes on the judgment for you. We see this picture perfectly in Jesus Christ because what happened with Jesus is that our judgment, our, our debt that we talked about was put on Jesus Christ. So he was treated as a debtor. He was treated as a moral debtor, someone who owed God something. He was treated as someone who would not receive forgiveness so that we might receive forgiveness, so that the rush of water would not come to us. And so, because of this, David says, let everyone who is godly offer you a prayer at a time when you may be found. That means today. That means today. I mean, I don't, I'm, we're all going home and we're all eating delicious food and it's gonna be great, but none of that is promised. And it's either today, James talks about the same thing. He says, don't, don't make promises that you can't keep. You have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. Some of us know that better than others. I know in my 20s, I was like, whatever, I'm going to live till I'm a thousand or at least 80 or whatever is, you know, I didn't care. 
then you like get sick and you turn 30 and you're like, oh my goodness, my, my, bo- my body's not infallible. It's happening. Or, you know, you, you get some sort of diagnosis or you, you experience a, a loss in, a, in, a, in the family and you recognize the mortality of your life. And the reality is, my friends, we are being called to pursue God while we still can. That means today. If you're in this room and you've been procrastinating and you feel you're starting to sweat a little bit, maybe you're brow and you're like, I don't like what this guy is saying. You're like, I, these are the, the four things that, that I've been like holding back from God. God is saying, pray and repent and pursue me today. M- move your feet. I, I love the Bible because it's honest about human nature. It's honest. It doesn't, it, it, he, he says, you know, this is David, a man after God's own heart. Kind of a big deal. You know, kills the Goliath. One of the stories that every Christian child knows is about Goliath and David. He, he's, a, he's a paragon. He's a, he's a type. He's, he's a picture of the king to come. And yet, what does it say? When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. David was in places and experienced things where he even struggled with sin, where he even had to recognize, I have to stop procrastinating and have to turn to God. The Bible is honest about your sin. And it, it, it commands you, the Holy Spirit asks you to be honest about your sin. He's not surprised. He's not, you've ever, ever been around a kid who had something going on and they were trying to hide? And they're just kind of like, you're like, hey, Billy, what's, what's going on, Billy? Nothing. What you got behind your back? Nothing. Like, you, you know that I'm, I can see you, Billy, right? And then he's like, see? You're like, turn around. Okay. Right? That's how we act with our sin. But, but God is not, he's not surprised. And, and, and beyond that, he's not like, if you don't, if you don't get right, I'm not going to receive you. No, he's saying, I know you, you can't get right apart from me. That's why I sent Jesus Christ. If you could have fixed yourself, you would have fixed yourself. We don't have to pretend like we have it together. What we're not doing is saying that, that we have a, a license to sin. But what, what David is saying is there's room for you to be honest. There's room for you to say, I, I love you, God, and I'm, I'm trying, and this is an area where I need to bring greater lordship into my life. We don't have to wait till we get it together before we go to God. In fact, David says that waiting is, is only going to stress us out. I mean, you've all, we've all had the Sunday night like, oh, uh, you know, I still sometimes have the Sunday night freak out about my paper that's due on Monday. And sometimes I'll wake up and be like, I don't, I'm not in school. Yes, I don't have to worry about Monday. But we have that impending sense of, and that's, that's the grace of God. If you feel stressed out right now because of sin, and you're like, I either need to deal with this or I need to leave this room, that's the grace of God saying, you need to deal with that. Stop procrastinating. Have you been feeling pressed? But have been p- putting off dealing with it. The good news is that God can deal with your sin. He can forgive it. He can cover it, and he can make sure it doesn't count against you. And God invites you 
Just pray. Just talk to me. Talk to me today. Talk to me right now. Talk to me even as this preacher Jesus keeps talking. If, you, you know, if I see heads bow and you're praying, I'm not going to be offended. But God is calling you to pray, to trust in the God who can take away your sin and reconcile himself to you. Today, you can procrastinate about other things, but when it comes to God, when it comes to your sin, don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. Let's pray.